You're listening to Tarazi Tuesdays with the Bible as Literature. Hi, this is Father Mark Bulos, and you are listening to Tarazi Tuesdays with the Bible as Literature podcast. This week, Father Paul explains how Scripture defines its own terminology in the way that words are used and when they are used in the text. If you hear Genesis 10 in context of the previous chapter, the first appearance of the Hebrew word for families, mishpahot, emphasizes the human being as one of the many mammals spread upon the earth. In this way, Father Paul argues, social life in the Bible does not refer to artificial cities made by the hand of man, but to animal life, which does not have a civilization and instead lives through procreation as God commanded. I am happy to introduce Father Paul on the Bible as Literature podcast, Tarazi Tuesdays. Let me start with pointing out that we have clearly overlapping in the area of Shem and Ham. Just three quick examples. Canaan, who is a Semite, is said to be the son of Ham in 10.6. So he's not a Semite, at least according to that text. Nimrod, the king of the Semitic Babel, Erech, Akkad, all of them in the land of Shinar in verse 10, is presented as the grandson of Ham through Cush, verses 6 to 9. And Havilah is ascribed to both Shem in verse 7 and Ham in verse 29. And so is Sheba in verse 7. It is with Shem 28 with Ham. So there is something going on there. And the solution, which I discussed clearly in my book, is that Shem and Ham represent two facets of the same reality. Very quickly, Shem, very important, means name. It is the name of God and the name that is going to be given to the people of God at the end times. Very important. I'll give you a name. And name in all Semitic languages means fame, as in English also. It's renown. You remember when we discussed in chapter 6, Anshe Hashem, the men of the name, RSV has it, of renown, you know. Translations just do it to render the original meaning, which is not incorrect per se, but the trouble, as I point time and again and again and again and again, the ear does not make connections the way it does if it is listening to the original text. So that is the Shem. Shem is powerful, very positive, in the following chapter, Ham and Japheth are dropped, and we continue through the Toledot of Shem. So it's the blessing. Ham, for those who know Hebrew, means hotness, heat, and ire at the same time. 
It's the facet of judgment. And both of them live in or around the Syrian wilderness. Shem, as I said, reflects the blessing. And then Ham reflects the curse, if you like. And this we have been prepared for, again, for those who have ears to hear the original without injecting later theology, which is the tradition of men made by human mind, Greco-Roman mind. No, we had the blessing, the curse on Canaan, who is the son of Ham. On the other hand, we have the blessing to Shem and to Japheth through Shem when he resides in the tents of Shem. And with this, I come to the third one, Japheth, who is presented first. And very clearly, he or his descendants come from the Iyim, which is a word that becomes very important in Isaiah. It's the isles, the islands, the coastlands, however it is translated. And this is in Isaiah 42 and 49, the representative of the Gentiles, more specifically the Greeks, the Hellenes. So we have everything there. As to the noun Japheth, again, it's to be heard in the original. Earlier, we heard about how the Lord will yeft le yefet. He will enlarge Japheth, open wide the doors for Japheth. And thus, it's a made-up name to prepare for the idea that the Japhethites would spread. Again, always remember Alexander. Okay, let's make it very simple, down to earth. Alexander, he came with his forces and he spread through the Syrian wilderness and beyond. So chapter 10 reflects precisely the mindset of the author that I have shown to be found all over the place. So that's number one and of the essence. So we have three, two of which are two facets, positive and negative of the same reality. And Japheth is invited to enter in the tent of shame, not in the tents of harm. But since the area is the same, obviously the bottom line is the behavior, and that is why the law is central in Scripture. This is what we have, and I wanted to point it out already at the beginning because it's the umbrella of the entire chapter. Now, very interestingly, the peoples are presented with two things. Number one, we have the verb farad. Remember last time I spoke about foots, which is disband, it's negative, spread over in a negative sense, it's a punishment. And farad means to just spread and populate the earth. The verb farad is used with Japheth, but with Ham 
we have the verb futs. So already this preparation for the punishment of chapter 11, where God would ask the people to spread, but as we shall hear, they want to unite in one place, and then he punishes them by forcing them to spread. That would be, if you like, scatter. So that is another element in chapter 10. And then a third one, which is very important. I mean, I hope my readers will see this in the text by reading it. You know, I don't want to go through verses. If I'm asked about it, I'll point out specific verses at the end. Last but not least, very important that the nations are presented as families, mishpachot, the plural of mishpacha. And that is very important because it prepares for the blessing of all the families of the earth through Abram in chapter 12. So that word is very important. Now, in theology, people don't perceive the importance of that word because they said families, it's a way to speak about nations and so on. No, it's not true. Because the first incidence of Mishpahot, as I mentioned previously, is done in conjunction with the animals. And there I made my comment where the sin of the human being in hearing scripture is his being anthropocentric. He thinks that he is the navel of the universe, of all the galaxies together, that everything that happens before or after is for the sake of man who is in the image of God. I mean, that is a slap in the face of Scripture. It's not true. Scripture always belittles the arrogant and the powerful. The first instance of the word mishpachot appears in conjunction with the animals. And as I said several times, the first incidence of a word gives its connotation against which one has to hear the rest of the instances. Unlike what we do, oh, we know what family is, you open the Webster Dictionary. Well, Scripture is not a Webster Dictionary. Scripture is Scripture. If the author decided to define the word mishpaha, family, clan, whatever you want to call it, and later it becomes a village, people living together, the main point is to understand is that the reference for this is the animal, which means that the author on purpose is forcing you to realize that for you to understand social life is not to look at the big buildings of the great civilizations, which are artificial because they are made by the hand of man, but to look at animal life, animals do not have civilization in that sense. Remember, the word civilization comes from the word city. Okay. They don't have this. They just procreate. And this brings us back to Genesis 1, where the human being is presented 
as an earth mammal very clearly. So that word becomes very important if you hear chapter 10 after the previous chapters where we heard about all the animals according to their mishpachot came out of the ark. So that point is very important. So bringing together the three points I made, that you have different nations where the names are artificial, at least not the individual nations, but the name of the three sons of Noah, the fathers of the nations, if you like, the progenitors of the nations. They are made up names and they are functional. Then the use of the two opposite, they overlap, but in their meaning they are opposite. Futs, which is to scatter, and farad means to spread. Farad is one unique, like the name Farid, Farida in Arabic is unique to put someone aside. And in Arabic, we still have that verb, infarada, to flesh out, to spread out. This is how one hears, not is supposed to hear. You know, I'm beginning to be very careful. It's supposed as though I'm imposing my opinion. This is how one hears the text in the origin. And here we have to make the effort to follow the example of the Muslims. The text is in Arabic, then the text is in Arabic. For us, the text is in scriptural Hebrew, then it is in scriptural Hebrew, and we have to hear it according to that original. So this chapter not only links the preceding chapters and the following chapter, but because at the beginning of 11, we heard about those nations who wanted to be together at one spot and so on. But it is axial. And in a sense, it is the chapter of chapters, just to mimic the song of songs. Okay. That would be, or the passage, because there were no chapters then. Very important to keep it uh, that way. Notice one more time the first time is Japheth, the one who comes from the isles. From these, verse 5, the coastland people spread. Notice the spread, Farad. Then we have Ham, and then we have Shem with the overlapping. And then I would like to end up here by pointing out how the noun families is underscored. At the end, verses 31-32, it's the two last verses of the chapter, we have, these are the sons of Shem, by their families, their languages, their lands, their nations. Very important verse, because we have 
on the one hand families and we have at the end the nations and the languages a point which is going to become important chapter 11 and the lands so the authors are really knowledgeable powerful they want to say what they want to say and we have the main word families and then a repetition one more time repetition in texts meant to be read orally it's the way we underline a point like today where if you're writing you don't need to repeat but when you're reading a paper to make your point to stresses you repeat it so that was 31 these are the sons of shem by their families and their languages and so on then 32 these are the families of the sons of noah so the last verse encompasses everything that all are basically families including japheth let me read verse 5 from these the coastland people spread these are the sons of japheth in their lands each with his own language by their families in their nations these are the families of the sons of noah it's like a super flock if you like three different flocks but on top you have noah and all of them appear to be different but they are from the three sons of the one person so these are the families according to their genealogies in their nations and from these the nations spread abroad on the earth after the flood by hearing the last verse genesis 10 is powerful formally and materially formally is the way it is written and materially the content it's really very powerful these are the families of the sons of noah which means when they came out of the ark they spread the way the animals mainly the sheep of the flock spread and in no other way and only at that point we hear that the people decided to go against that repeating what Cain did before them but with more detail in the case of Cain we have he just built a city but here notice let me end on this point come let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly and they had brick for stone and bitumen for mortar and then let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens and you guessed the movement but very quickly this time god will not wait until the seventh generation after cain to give us a lesson through his belittling of lamech malik but immediately he comes down to scatter them abroad 
one more time at the beginning they were supposed to spread abroad so ultimately and we'll come back to that it's so exciting that i couldn't help but start mentioning it that god is very funny in scripture he really is the man who appears in psalm 2 the lord sits on high and he laughs down at the human being and he's going to do this very soon through isaac but here if you like god plays on the verbs he said let's open our dictionary people i wanted you to spread you didn't want to spread so i'm going to scatter you so at the end you're going to look to everybody else who's looking on the face of the earth that i succeeded in my plan the bible as literature is a production of the ephesus school network